Hey, we're going to talk a lot of gambling on the Super Bowl in this podcast, but if you want even more, check out the Ringer Gambling Show. Warren Sharp, Ben Solak, Joe House are going to be doing their big Super Bowl mega preview later this week. You can also get Olympic bets from Roger Sherman as the Winter Olympics are going on. Check it out. The Ringer Gambling Show. Listen on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. Rachel Getting Married, the second installment of Effed Up Family February, which uh, is a little gimmick that we did because all anyone cares about right now is basketball and football. So why not just try to squeeze in a weird rewatchables gimmick? We'll get back. We'll get back to the big kahunas in May. But for right now, we are doing family exploration of dysfunction. That's what's happening. Rachel getting married, the most dysfunctional wedding movie ever made. Wesley Morris, Amanda Dobbins, and I broke it down. Uh, we're also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, where I will be revealing my same game parlay during the part of the podcast with Cousin Sal that you can bet on if you go to FanDuel Sportsbook right now. It involves the Rams. It involves the Rams to win and some other stuff. So, uh, that's a spoiler alert, but you can go find it on FanDuel. Coming up on this podcast, at the very top, I'm going to talk about the two big NBA trades that happened today. And then Cousin Sal comes on the annual Super Bowl props pick. Finally, Peter Schrager and I are going to do some million-dollar picks and talk about the case for the Bengals, the case for the Rams, post-win Super Bowl narratives. It's a good way. Once you talk out what might happen, it actually makes it easier to understand what you think might happen. I know that's weird, but it's the way my brain operates. So, Good podcast coming up. It's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this around lunchtime Pacific time. Before we get to the football stuff, two big basketball trades today. I want to talk about both of them quickly. Indiana and Sacramento teamed up. Two of my favorite trade bait guys in the league were in this trade. So, Demonte Sabonis goes to Sacramento along with Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday. Indiana gets Buddy Hield, Tristan Thompson's expiring, and Tyrese Halliburton, who I thought was off the table. I, I love Sabonis. 
I was hoping the Celtics would trade for him. I said I was even irrationally hoping they would give up Smart and Time Lord for him, which I know is a dumb trade, but that's how much I like Sabonis. At the same time, you can't trade Halliburton. What are you doing, Sacramento? Honestly, what are you doing? He's 21. There's like eight point guards in the league that know how to run a team, that check all the advanced metric boxes. I mean, there is some great stuff today. All the advanced metrics NBA people that uh, I follow on Twitter and respect, they all went nuts. Like Kurt Goldsberry, my former Grantland uh, colleague, he had a bunch of tweets about uh, how Burton's somehow 11th in assists and 12th in steals. 12 games without Fox, he averaged 19 and 10. Um, catch and shoot threes, which he really had to do the last couple of years because he had to play with Fox or the last year and a half, 42.6% on catch and shoot threes, according to uh, Kirk. And then on off the dribble threes, second, 40.6. So he's checking all of these efficiency stuff, like his advance, his uh, e-field goal percentage was 58.7. I don't really fully understand that one, but I know that's good for a guard. But then John Schumann, from uh, from NBA.com, he had about best pull-up threes. Halliburton's second behind Mike Conley in percentage. And then when you talk about assist-turnover ratio, which is another thing we love with point guards, he's third behind Chris Paul and Murray and the Spurs. So, look, I'm just giving you the stats. I test, loved him in college, um, could not believe he fell, thought there was a chance that he could follow the Celtics. Of course, he didn't. The Suns famously passed him in 10, took Jalen Smith, and uh, and now didn't even give Jalen Smith. They didn't even renew his third year option. So you think the Suns are the best player in the best team in the league, and they also could have had Halliburton really easily, and he would have been the absolute unbelievable perfect third guard for a Booker, Chris Paul backguard. Holy shit, that's a what if. Indiana steals him, and as much as I like Sabonis, I just can't get over the fact that the Kings gave up Halliburton. I can't believe it. The Kings, so we used to make fun of them at Grantland, which Grantland existed from 2011 to 2015. And at that point, the Kings were entering their second half decade of just being morons. And finally, uh, Grantland ends, we start the ringer. The Kings still being morons. And just, you think like for 12 years from like 06 to 2018, they were the dumbest team in the league. And then, they take Bagley over Luca, which we were doing a live draft show when that happened. We were all having a stroke. They gave away Bogdanovich for reasons that remain unclear. They just didn't want to play him. They drafted three point guards in the span of four years, gave an extension to the wrong run, De'Aaron Fox, who I still feel like is relatively untradeable at that contract unless you're taking somebody else's problem like Julius Randle. And then out of the three point guards, they trade the wrong one. So, you know, you think like, what have been the Kings highlights for the last, I don't know, decade? I guess it would be the fact that they sold high on Boogie Cousins, even though that seemed terrible at the time. And picking Halliburton, not fucking that up, just taking the right guy when he fell to, I think, number 12. And then they trade him anyway. I'm just telling you, I rarely go all in with predictions. And you kind of know, like, I'll be like, I think this is a mistake, whatever, here's my take. And rarely, especially with NBA, will I just go all in. I think Halliburton is an absolute star. I think he's a future all-NBA guy. I think he could be the second best guy on a championship team, potentially. I don't think he can be the first best guy, but I think he can be the second best guy. 
I think he could potentially be a piece if you had a really good team around him of a team that won a round or two in the playoffs. And putting him with Rick Carlisle is unbelievable. So I just, he passes, he, or he checks every box that I have for as somebody who'd be a good point guard. And the thing is, as much as I like Sabonis, it's just harder to find guys like Halliburton. Like yeah, I look at the Celtics, uh, the team that I watch all the time, obviously. And, you know, there's always like, got to get a point guard, got to get a point guard, got to get a point guard. Well, there are no point guards. That's why they were linked with Jalen Brunson. That's why Marcus Smart playing well the last couple of weeks, taking umbrage to the fact that everybody's saying the Celtics just need a point guard. The fact is there's not a lot of point guards. And that's why Chris Paul at age 37 is still, <laughs> is still dominant and still stands out because there's so few of him. When I was growing up, we had Tiny Archibald and Mo Cheeks and we, we just, Norm Nixon, Gus Williams. We, there was a slew of these guys who knew how to run a team. And I think the way basketball has evolved over the last, I don't really, since the threes took over, you just, the, the true point guard who can run a team, get everyone involved, pick his spots. It's not, not that much different than, uh, honestly, being a podcast host and hosting a podcast that has you and three other people on it especially in the Zoom era, it's really hard to do a four-person podcast, right? You need somebody that knows how to move the ball and doesn't have a high usage rate, doesn't step on people and all that stuff. It's hard to do. It's even harder to run a basketball team. It's hard to get everybody the ball in the spots that they like to pick your spots when you take over. And that's why Chris Paul, that's why we've been calling him the point god forever. So Halliburton, even though on paper this trade is still a little weird for Indiana because you look at their team, first of all, they're tanking. So, um, you know, getting a 21-year-old guy is great for them who has a chance to be a star. They have Halliburton and Duarte, Miles Turner, who's hurt, Buddy Heald, who is a shooter that they can either keep or spin, and they have Brogdon. They have their pick because they're tanking, and they got Cleveland's pick in that Levert trade. Brogdon, they just gave an extension. He's going to be hard to trade until this summer. I think Halliburton and Brogdon are a weird fit together. And I ultimately don't care because I like Halliburton way more than Brogdon. And ultimately, they don't care either. They're just trying to get assets and picks and rebuild. The problem for them is if they're trying to tank, which they have a chance because they're in the bottom four in the East, Halliburton makes it harder because he's really good. And he'll, he'll make the team that they have, whatever pieces that are left, he'll make those guys better. Sabonis on the Kings, I just don't understand. So you look at their team, Sabonis, Fox, Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, who's completely redundant with Sabonis, Davian Mitchell, Lamb Holiday, and then a bunch of other pieces. And they think they can be in the playing game, like uh, or the playing tournament, like New Orleans did, which is why New Orleans has been the McCollum trade. I just think, I don't know what I have with Fox other than a guy who is really expensive, who does not seem like he has a chance to be a top 10 guy at his position. So when you're paying borderline max for somebody, who probably will never be a top 10 point guard at his position. Man, that's tough. Especially when you have Halbert, you have him under control for three more years, but you figure you give him the extension after year four, and then that's another four at least. So you, you, you basically had him for six more years, but because you gave Fox that extension, you felt like you had to trade Halliburton. And because you spent a lottery pick on Mitchell, you felt like Halliburton's expense, expendable. It's the classic, terrible, NBA team thinking of we've made these mistakes in the past, so we're going to make this third mistake to try to justify the other two mistakes. This is what I grew up with. This was the NBA in the 70s and 80s 
We used to have these Halliburton Sabonis trades all the time. We would make fun of them. They were even in the 2000s. You know, one of the reasons my column took off on ESPN was because it was so much fun to make fun of the terrible trades and the bad transactions and all that stuff. So somehow the Kings did it again. And I almost want to have a moment of silence to start this podcast for the Kings fans because I can't believe if I had Halliburton for a year and a half and my team traded him, I, I would lose my mind. I thought he was untouchable. Even when the Ben Simmons rumor started with him, I didn't believe it because I was like, there's no way they're trading Halliburton for Ben Simmons. Bullshit. I call, I call BS on this. And I was right because they weren't trading him for Simmons. And then they get Sabonis. Now you could argue Simmons or Sabonis who's a better asset. But either way, I'm keeping Halliburton. So I thought that was dumb. Wow. The other trade, New Orleans just took on a shitload of salary. They got CJ McCollum and Larry Nance. They gave up uh, Josh Hart, who I really like, Alexander Walker, Sadoransky's expiring. They got a $21 million exception out of this. They got a first round pick as long as it falls between five and 14, which seems likely, and they got under the tax. So Portland's blowing it up. They did this with the Norman Powell trade on, uh, on Friday, and they just got out of a ton of salary. They have Dame Lillard left. Dame Lillard clearly out for the year now, you would think. Because And that's been the word on the street for a while that something's really wrong with his abdomen and we're not going to see him again. So, for obviously, he's signing off if they're trading Powell, McCollum, and Nance, three of their best, I don't know, six, seven guys, including McCollum is their second best guy. New Orleans, I didn't like this trade when I saw it as it was being reported. I learned a valuable lesson today. Don't tweet about a trade until you know who's in the trade. This actually happened to me when I was working the draft and in 2013, and we heard about the uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade to Brooklyn. And when we went on the air, we didn't know there was a pick swap in 2017, which turned out to be Jason Tatum, by the way. We didn't know the picks were unprotected, but we just had to react and we didn't know all the details of the trade. And by, by the time I did a podcast the next day or, t or tweeting or whatever, once we actually knew the trade, I was like, wow, they got a shitload for that trade. We didn't know at the time. When I was tweeting about this as it was happening, the Nance part wasn't in because I, I'm thinking, why would I, I? I like Josh Hart. I think he's, I actually think he's a winning player. He's not as good as McCollum, obviously, but if I could pay Josh Hart 12 million or McCollum 30, 33 next year, and I'm also throwing in first round picks to get McCollum, like that doesn't seem like a smart trade to me. Where am I going if I'm New Orleans? They got Nance too. So Nance. Between Nance and Herb Jones, you have two guys who are winning player guys, who are role player glue guy. Herb Jones, rookie, great. If you haven't watched the Pelicans on League Pass, he's been one of the rookie revelations this year. So now New Orleans, they have Zion, they have Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, who's been good for them this year, and McCollum. Herb Jones and Nance as the glue guys. Devontae Graham is scoring off the bench. Jackson Hayes, I guess, is a rim runner. I don't love him. And then uh, just a ton of picks from the Milwaukee trade and the Lakers trade. And the Lakers picks are probably more valuable than Milwaukee picks. All of this hinges on Zion, who we have not seen. I actually Googled Zion stuff today, tried to figure out, is he coming back? Where is he? There's no pictures of Zion. Honestly, it's like, it's like trying to find pictures of Bigfoot from the, from the 1970s. There's no Zion pictures. Has he been out in public? What happened to that guy? I guess New Orleans is thinking they're a sneaky playing team if, uh, if Zion comes back. And even if he doesn't come back, CJ, we know, can be the main creator on a good team. And he's actually been, he, it's so hard to be underrated anymore because all we do is talk basketball 24-7. But CJ, offensively, you just look at his last seven years 
He's 22 a game, 46-40-83 splits. Like, the guy's just a good scorer who knows what to do at the end of games. They didn't have anyone like that in New Orleans. So now you have to worry about him and Ingram at the same time. You got Valanciunas who can do all kinds of stuff, especially if he has a mixed match, mismatch. And then you have Zion as the wild card. So I like this trade for New Orleans. I think getting Nance back was key. If they're not getting Nance back in that, I don't understand the point of the trade. They're just, basically McCollum is in that range where you love him as a player if he's making like 15 million a year. But once he's making 30, it's like, yikes. So I don't mind the trade. David Griffin, it looked like he was down for the count. It looked like he had been knocked out, knocked down, uh, I don't know, seven, eight times in the in the boxing fight. But now rallying back, um, I like this trade. I hated giving up Lonzo. I still don't understand why they did that. But at least this trade signs a life from the Pelicans. We'll see what happens with, uh, with Zion. And then for Portland, you know, the Dame CJ run is dead and it wasn't really a run. They made one West Finals once they got killed. They made two round twos and CJ was in 750,000 trade rumors. So um, we'll talk more about this. We're doing a big trade deadline pod on Thursday and we'll break all this stuff down in more detail. But coming up, Cousin Sal, Super Bowl props. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drum roll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you roll. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, U.S. only. All right, Cousin Sal's here. We're going to talk Super Bowl 56. Does that make you feel old that there's been 55 Super Bowls and this is the 56th? LVI? I mean, it just, it seems like yesterday when it was LCM 3 I don't know. It's really nuts. <laughs> yeah, I feel old that I remember. I, I Do you feel bad about recalling some games when you're talking to some like your younger staff? Like, no, no, no. When the Steelers played the Cowboys and they're like, oh, all right, uh, get away from me. Yeah. I... I am actually, they're starting to merge some of the games. Yeah. Especially the ones from the 70s. If mm-hmm. if I was doing some sort of uh, Jeopardy, you know, with categories and stuff, I feel like I would screw some up now. They're especially mid-70s, like the first ones we can remember. It's like, was that Steelers Cowboys or was that Vikings or who was in that one? And yeah, there's been a lot of them. This one is one of the weirdest matchups we've had. The only person that thought the Bengals were going to be in the Super Bowl is your crazy engaged friend, Harry. Yeah, what a degenerate. Just been victory lapping it ever since. <laughs> you, I, I think we differ. I think you're leaning toward the Bengals and I'm leaning toward the Rams. I haven't yeah. had any of the 17 podcasts you did today, but it seems like you. we're leaning in different directions. I, I'm surprised that I'm taking the Bengals. And like last week, I was like, I don't know, I could see anything happen. Then I really convinced myself over the weekend. I'm like, well, first of all, I don't want to miss out on the Joe Burrow experience, right? Mm. Like I missed out on Brady. I, I, I missed out on his first couple wins and then I couldn't catch up. I ended up betting him when he played the Giants. I'm like, oh shit, I'm never going to be on the right side of this. I don't want to miss out. Like I missed out on the internet. Uh, boom. I mean, you made like a third of a billion dollars. So you got that. Same with crypto. <laughs> I, I missed out. I don't want to miss out on Joe Burrow. I think well, he's freaking great. Joe really Burrow do. and NFTs. That's really going to be your decade. Yeah. Or an NFT of Joe Burrow. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, listen, like, 
what more does the guy need to do? He had he was sacked nine times and he won. He was down two touchdowns to the Chiefs in the regular season and he won. He was down 21-3 in the playoffs in Arrowhead and he won. Um, I, I, you're going to tell me he's not going to be at least down like nine points with the ball and three minutes left? Like, can't at least get a backdoor cover here? I'm all in on Joe Burrow. Are you feeling some 2001 Pats parallels with the young That's about to saying. be a superstar QB and then... Adam Vinatieri 2.0, Evan McPherson. Oh, I didn't even think of that uh, correlation. But yeah, yeah, for sure. There's something like that. And I also feel like people are saying, well, this is Burrow's time, but it's going to be Herbert. It's going to be Mahomes. It's going to be Allen. They're going to be switching off. Maybe not so fast with that. Maybe he does have enough to get back to this game three out of the next six years or something. I don't want to miss out. It doesn't worry you that if you go through the actual Bengals playoff wins, it's pretty flimsy all the way through. Each time there were moments when you felt like they were either going to lose or they got some incredibly lucky breaks, not to mention, we still don't have an answer for what happened to Mahomes right. in the second half in the OT. And I will always believe he was concussed. Really? Yeah. You'll always believe I, it. I will always believe it. I don't care what they tell me or, or some, there was some sort of injury. It was inexplicable. The guy was lights out, out of control for a game and a half in the playoffs. Everything he was doing was absolutely perfect. There was a mm -hmm. moment in that Bengals game where it looked like he was going to go like 35 for 37 for 500 yards. And then right. all of a sudden couldn't complete a pass or make a correct decision for two hours. It still doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. I'm with you. I know they play their defense a little differently. They dropped an extra guy since they weren't getting to him anyway in the first half. And that rattled his cage. But an injury would make more sense than anything else. But also, and yes, it does bother me that they barely beat the Raiders and, and as you said, the Chiefs. And the Titans, but um, sometimes full of shit teams like that go far. We've seen the giant people get mad at us. We always say the Giants; those Giants teams were not dynamite by any stretch, and then they ended up winning Super Bowls. And I also, in the back of my head, see that Matt Stafford floater that really should have been picked off, and that was like I, I don't know. Like I said, I could throw to my eight year old a hundred times, and he catches it a hundred five times. So I don't know. I could see uh, maybe Stafford not being as great as everybody says going into this. Who are your favorite full of shit teams that have actually won the Super Bowl? I, how many? I mean, the, do you Ooh. consider the 01 Pats a full of shit team because they they lose if yeah if the Tuck roll is like a split yeah, second? Course. I don't know if you watched the entire Tuck roll documentary. Shut up. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, yeah, it's uh yeah they're a full of shit team for sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who are the wild card teams? I guess you have to go through that because they a lot of them had. Let's see who won. Uh, well, I was thinking. For doppelgangers, for the Bengals, the 03 Panthers were the one that jumped out to me. Right. Weren't really expecting anything. DeLome got hot. They had an incredible receiver, Steve Smith, and then Muhammad was good on that team too. Well, and they didn't win. You say just get there? They didn't win. I mean, I'm just talking, yeah. they, they remind me of the 03 Panthers would be the one. Mm -hmm. I went through the last 20 years of teams and you'd think like it has to be a team that had a kick-ass receiver. It has to be a team that didn't do that well in the regular season, right? Which, you know, like, because initially I was thinking, oh, the Eagles with T.O. that year. But right. the Eagles were good that year. You know, I, you look at the Bengals, the, the DVOA stuff is alarming with them. I mean, they're, they're basically 17th in DVOA even now after the three playoff wins. The Rams really? are fifth. You're really down on them. All right. No, I'm just like, I, I think this would be an incredible achievement if they were able to win four straight rounds when I'm not even positive what they're great at, other than they have a great kicker and the Burrow chase thing has been lights out. But what else are they like really good at? Pass well, this is good. good. Yeah. 
This is good. This is all good for we, your for, argument. No, no for, it's, it's good for both of us, because one or one of us, at least, right? If we were both on the Rams, they wouldn't have had a chance, right? So one of us I, has a potential to win. I got excited about trying to talk myself into the Bengals just because mm-hmm. they've cost me so much money both ways this year. Right. I mean, that Bengals-Jets game, you had, what was that thing you found about the, what, what was the tweet about the four craziest? Yeah, what was the, mo- the su- most surprising upset this year? Was it Jags over the Colts? Was it Jets over Bengals? What were the other two? Uh, Colts. Uh, Lions yeah, Colts over. Jags was my pick. Lions who. In the, Lions, the, the, Cardinals. Yeah. And uh, there was another one too. And we Col- figured out Colts that Jags we lost. Ridiculous. Yeah. We lost, we lost major money on three of the four. I had the money line on all of them. <laughs> oh, sucks. We got to change it. Why, why, do, why do we do this? That's stupid. I think Jags Colts was the most indefensible of the four. Yeah. And I think you you laid it out correctly in that they, they someone scored the Patriots scored fifty on them the week before. They really were dead to rights and the Colts just needed to win to make the playoffs. And I guess the only way that Colts thing makes sense is it was outdoors mm-hmm. and Wentz had just had COVID. And maybe if we learned anything in twenty one, it was the be careful of throwing huge sums of money at people who who just had COVID. Named Carson Wentz. And yeah, COVID. Just, yeah, 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 football or basketball. Because we've seen it in the NBA too. There's been guys who had it and they're not right for a few weeks. And mm-hmm. Wentz just looked like he was completely out of it in that game. So the yeah. part I don't understand is why Lawrence was so good when Lawrence had looked like, you know, a 12-year-old in the game before. I'll never understand that. That game. was bizarre. Was he like 12 of his first 13? Yeah, that was just like, all right, we're going to screw everyone who has uh, money on this game. That's all. With all that said, the Chiefs losing to the Bengals was my worst loss of the year and the one I'm still the maddest about. Really? Yeah, yeah. because it, worst case scenario, they're up 24 to 10 with the ball at the start of the second half. They completely botch it. Now they're up 11. Then they botch coming out of the thing. They punt. Bengals do nothing. They punt. Chiefs give it right back to them. Then all of a sudden it's 21-13 and then the Chiefs keep doing nothing. And then all of a sudden it's 21-21 and still the Chiefs have a chance to win near the end. So that's what I'm trying to remember. Is there a team that pulled a game out of their butt like that and actually won the Super Bowl? Because you could argue even the Patriots game. And I, I thought the tuck rule duck, which I mm-hmm. enjoyed obviously because I'm a Pats fan, but it it, it kind of glossed over some crucial pieces of that game. Like for instance. No, it didn't. It was just one play. And that's how people remember it. But the Raiders... Ahead. The Raiders had second and two at midfield Mm -hmm. and they ran the ball into the line twice and got stuffed. And then they punted on fourth and inches. Gave the ball back to the Patriots. They ran two of the worst plays ever. Their guard went the wrong way on one of them. And it's like, they get three yards, they win the game. Like they, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in the snow seems easy. But then after the tuck roll, they didn't stop the Pats. Vinatieri gets the field goal. And then the Pats still had to drive in overtime. Um, The, the, the Bengals Chiefs, like to be able to stop the Chiefs inside the five yard line twice is insane. I don't who would what offense would you want more inside the five yard line than the Chiefs? Right. I, I think it was. I mean, you're telling me it's your worst loss, but it, look, look at it this way. Did you ever think about hedging? No. Right. Like even when it went to overtime, you're like, oh, boy, this game is taking a turn. Oh, wow. They won the coin toss. They're minus 200, minus 195. Uh yeah, you would never have thought to take the Bengals at that point. Hey, was Seattle over Green Bay? That was kind of a bullet when they came all the way back, but they lost that Super Bowl, right? Yeah, they lost it. They lost the Patriots or beat Denver that year? They lost the Pats that year, right? The Pats, 
I we deserved to win this game, but I always felt like Pat's Ravens when we came back from 14 oh, right. in the, mm-hmm. the Defleke playoffs. Mm-hmm. Came back from 14, came back from 10, and just like, it did feel like the Ravens were better and we kind of stole it, but we also outplayed them. But if I was a Ravens fan, I would have been like, we're better. How did we lose that game? They, we had to run like trick plays. Remember Belichick did that thing where the guard, right. the tackle kept saying he was eligible mm-hmm. or whatever, or the receiver was ineligible and the tackle was eligible. And we went down the field, the Ravens didn't know what was happening. This Bengals thing, I, it would really, so what would it take? Let's Let's walk through it. So for the Bengals to win, Burrow and Chase have to be Really good, right? Do you expect Mixon to run the ball at all? Because yeah, I think they, one of the running games is going to um, thrive, and then that coach is going to stay with it. And it could be Mixon, and we'll get to odds, but I, I like him for uh, MVP odds as a long shot. Oh, um, wow. I mean, well, he had 13 touchdowns and 1,200 yards. I mean, he's an all-pro. Why is he 40 to 1? You know, like if it's a low-scoring game and he breaks one for a touchdown and has another touchdown and Burrow has one, that's not bad, 40 to 1. Um well, but I think the I, I, think, I think the piece even. of that it yeah. the Rams rush defense has been really great this playoffs. Yeah. Like shut down the Niners for sure. That was big. There's been fifty two carries in the three games for hundred and sixty two yards against them. And the Niners just got stoned. I mean, they're twenty for fifty. They're trying to run nothing. And right. they just couldn't. So yeah, I'm I'm actually we differ on that too. I like the under for Mixon. It was like sixty three and a really? half. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think if the Bengals win, I think they have to like I think they have to throw it. Yeah. Well, all right. So Burrow, I, I like him at plus 230 because quarterbacks have won nine out of the last 12 years, right? Yep. So plus 230 is better than just taking the Bengals at plus 166 or whatever it is. But what would Evan McPherson have to do to win it? Working backwards. 100 to was, 1. Four field goals. That. Four field oh, goals, low scoring game? I think five. Five. But I think... The thing with him is I think at least two of them have to be 50 like yard 50, 53 yards and up. Mm-hmm. I was I couldn't find enough McPherson props. Like it, it's the over-under <laughs> for field goals for him is one and a half, just attempted. Attempts, I know. Harry said that. He loved that. Yeah. And then um, there was another one where it's the longest field goal of the game is 47 and a half mm-hmm. over. And I thought, you know, since he basically, if they're over midfield, they're in range for him. And you saw it in all three playoff games. You can right. feel it when you're rooting against him. You're like, oh, fuck, they're on the 45. McPherson can make this from here. Yeah. But 47 and a half seems like a lock. I like that. I was talking, if it's fourth and fourth, the 38, they're probably kicking. They're kicking. Yeah. yeah. They want uh, points. They're hoping this is like a, you know, like a 23 to 20, yeah. whatever. That's why a lot of people like the under. Um, yeah. So what, what, so what is the McPherson MVP? Well, conversely, the shortest field goal, I like over 27 and a half. Cause I think if it's fourth and two from the eight, everybody goes for it. Right. And yep. the last 13 Super Bowl field goals have been over 27 and a half yard. I know you have to get a little lucky with it, but the last field goal that was under 27 and a half was in that Eagles, uh, e- Eagles Patriots game. McPherson is a hundred to one. Yeah. I think four field goals in a low scoring game could do it. Come on. So it's like, have some fun. So, like 12 to 10, Bengals win 12 to 10. I mean, we've seen the Rams play a low scoring. That was the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever, right? 13 3 when they lost to the Patriots. Maybe no one could put it in the end zone. I think it's yeah. worth it a little bit. Yeah, you'd think Stafford would really have to suck. Right. And you'd think neither team runs the ball. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with that is if neither team runs the ball, then there's going to be a lot of like either long plays or three and outs, which would mean more possessions, which would mean more scoring eventually. I would right. think. 
Yeah. I don't know. The 13 to three game was pretty weird because there were drives and then they would stall like somewhere in that some somewhere between the 25s. Yeah. Some key drops, things like that. Um, okay. Let's, we're going to take a break. I mean, how do you want to do this? I'm busting. I got so yeah, many. Yeah. Let's take a break and then you're just going to fire props at us like a t-shirt gun. All right. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. All right, coming back. Salas and props. Here we go. All right. Um, guess how many times the uh, coin toss winner has lost in a row? What kind of streak do they have? Losing streak. You mean home and away? Home and away? No. Oh, you mean heads team, tails? Team that won. Team that won the coin toss. Yeah, has lost seven times in a row. What? Seven times in a row. So I'm thinking. I don't know. I look back. I think most of them deferred, and so it was yeah. just so, so you got to lose a coin toss. By the way, the coin toss, that's all you have to know about gambling. I'm sorry, Fandle, but the fact that heads is minus 104 and tails is minus 104, can you just give us even odds on the coin toss? Someone's got to lose four cents. All right. But seven (laughs) straight. Yeah. Wait, speaking of the coin toss, I saw this today. Yeah. So it's minus 500. You can bet that the winner of the coin toss will defer. Really? Okay. So that's what they've been doing. So the Rams have deferred 48 of 48 times with McVay. Mm-hmm. And Zach Taylor has deferred 26 of 27 times. Wow. So minus 500 actually seems low. Damn it. I can't uh, find now that I have bet. to do that on something. Sadly, I can't find that bet on FanDuel. But oh, really? It's, it's a bet that's out in like the bigger all over the place. But I couldn't find a lot of coin toss stuff on FanDuel. Added you know FanDuel. You'll definitely million, yeah. uh, make money on us. No, there was like coin, the team to win the coin toss loses the game. Um Oh, I maybe know. I just couldn't find there was, it. Right. There was a few. Go Keep yeah. going. Uh, all right. Uh, what, so I said I like uh, I like Burrow MVP, uh, Mixon and McPherson as flyers. No kneel down, plus 140. No kneel down to end the game, plus 140. Six of the last seven playoff games ended in a walk-off field goal or touchdown. You could end with the losing team throwing bombs, you know, like that that could be actually how it ends just normally or just running it out naturally. But I like the plus money on no kneel down. What do you think? What is what is kneel down? Minus 160? Uh, 170. You like the kneel down. Well, if you don't think the game is going to be close, the uh-huh. kneel down's the bet, right? Because how would there not be a kneel down? You'd have to have like the losing team on the last play of the game incomplete, something like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's yeah. well. I think it's going to be a close game. So then that's yeah. why. Uh, that's why I have. Uh, the I like goal. it. I'm looking at some pluses. I'm looking at you know. So if it's like you think, where um, it's going to be bombs away here, Chase or Cup, two or more touchdowns plus one fifty. Cup had three. Um, Chase so, or Cup. Chase or Cup. Chase had three multi touchdown games. Cup had six. I don't know. Could by the way, we could see some record breaking receiving records too, right? Like. Jerry Rice versus the Chargers type of thing with Cup. Three plus for Cup is 10 to one. Uh, I'm sorry, for Chase is 10 to one. And th- 
and 24 to 1. 24 to so, 1 for Chase, 10 to 1 for Cup for three. I was looking a lot of the Odell and Cup stuff because those guys mm-hmm. have quietly crushed it in the playoffs. Like they're combined, they're over like 600 yards. And Odell, right. there's good stats about it. Odell just gets open like 90% of the time. If you're just talking about one on one man coverage, he's yeah. just open over and over again. So Odell is 25 to 1 to win the MVP. Cup is five plus five fifty, and I think Chase is what like ten to one, mm-hmm. eight to yeah. one, something like that. But any non QB is plus two thirty. Any non QB to win. So MVP. anyway, so basically everyone but Burrow and Stafford, you can have right. everyone else for plus two thirty, and you get all three of those receivers in that it's scenario. Pretty good. You get Aaron Donald, you get McPherson, like you get whoever you get the your Joe Mixon thing. Yeah, and. You know, like you think about it, go through the playoff games. Who was, who was your Bengals MVP against the Chiefs? I mean, I think you give it to Burrow by default, just for. for but you don't feel to... great about it, right? No, like, it wasn't like he was awesome in that game. But in the Rams game, I don't think Stafford was the MVP of the Niners game. I would have said Cup was the MVP. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, he had to. I don't know. So for for Stafford to win, Cup and Beckham would have to be awesome. But if it's just Cup, like there's there's bets for him plus one fifty uh receiving yards, shit like that. Like if you if you want to go in on Cup, I would I mean, I feel like Owen. you and I are always like, Oh, that was lame. They gave it to the quarterback after the game, right? Don't you yeah, feel like, usually. Oh, like oh, I really like I'm trying to look at these now. Mahomes should have won two years ago. Brady, I don't know, Brady, they could have although they didn't give it to him that one year. They gave it to Edelman. Um, you know, I was, yeah, I was, it's, it's typically just the quarterback. It just sucks to have uh, be on the other end when they name the quarterback. My dad was here and Pat Seahawks was on and we watched like the last half hour of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm Butler should have been the MVP of that game. Yeah. Brady won it, which was fine because they came back from 10 down and he made some plays. But Malcolm Butler made the greatest defensive play of all time and didn't win it. So to your point, it's really hard for a quarterback not to win. No question. And I feel the same way about James Harrison and that Steelers. When Steelers oh, yeah. The, uh, that's another good one. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the greatest defensive. Well, that, that, those are top two, right? I had for FanDuel the, my same game parlay that I did that they're promoting on the website I'm looking now. at it right now. Yeah. yeah. Ram, Rams win. Odell gets a touchdown. Odell over 70 yards. Cup over 80 yards. And it's plus 672. So... The theory on that is the Rams won't be able to run the ball. They're going to have to throw. And if the Rams win, both of those guys are going to do well. Mm-hmm. The Rams are 2.9 yards per carry in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And unless Akers gets going, I don't see that really changing. So if they're going to win, they're going to throw the ball. I agree with you. And I, yeah, I'm looking at the the graphic right now. And you have this whimsical smile on your face. Like you kind of know the result ahead of time. So, uh, I yeah, I urge people to bet that even if you don't think the Rams are going to win. I thought you did a tweet about how I knew the Tom Brady Tuesday retirement <laughs> you did, announcement. You, you know you did. Well, you sometimes, know you did. Sometimes I I have spidey senses. On wow! Stuff. But you knew it. We Sal, we talked on that podcast about. I thought he was ninety percent retiring, but ten percent the Niners. I you right. just couldn't rule it out. And now he goes and he has that Jim Gray podcast, and he's basically not really retired yet. Even though never he's say never. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. he's and Kevin Wilds did a thing on Twitter. My friend from uh, yeah. the Grayland ESPN days did a whole thing about people retire. There's usually press conferences and mm-hmm. they call it blue. He just did an Instagram post. He thanked, basically steered it toward Tampa and all these people in his life. But it doesn't feel like the door's closed. So 
you know, when does he have Jimmy. to make this decision? If you're if you're saying for this year, it has to be within the next few weeks, doesn't it? He does it? Could he do this in May? He could make a call. It's a, what is he going to fall out of shape and gain forty pounds? No, I'm just saying for the on the Niners end, like how are they? They have to proceed. They have to kind of know what's going on, right? S- Scott Zolak, former Pats QB, who's a mm-hmm. media guy back in Boston, he had a whole theory on Twitter today about the Niners trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Bucks for Tom Brady for the right to bring Tom Brady out of retirement, basically. That's fun. That would be fun. How about those two being in a trade together? Who knows? I just, listen, how many boxers did we see come out of retirement? How many yeah. great players did we see come out of retirement? How many actors, you know, our cousin Jimmy will leave his ABC show someday and say he's done. You know he'll be back three years later. He's coming back, show. baby. All of his heroes went 40 years. He'll be back. There is too much money at stake for him not to come back, baby. I can't lose this 10%. I mean, he can't lose out on... Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, th- I don't think the Tom Brady thing is over yet. I think it'd be hilarious if he actually didn't retire after we did a week long Tom Brady <laughs> retirement tour. It's like, no, wait, I'm not gone yet. All right. Keep going with props. All right. Uh, what do I like? Um, Chaser Cup, a three touchdowns. I'm sure short field goal. I did that. Uh, I would do a lot of the scores. 24, 23 okay. Bengals. You got, um, you got a whole bunch of, I mean, you can get like 300 to one odds on like a, a field goal type ending in the 20s. Uh, it's insanity. All right. Oh, Leonard Floyd, first sack, 11 to 1 odds. He had nine and a half sacks. First Leonard. sack is fluky. It's a fluky thing anyway, right? He had nine and a half sacks. Uh, there's only two ahead of him in, that are playing in this game, right? Von Miller had nine and a half also, but Hendrickson had 11. I know Hendrickson and Donald have more. So I don't know. At 11 to 1 for the third best stats in the game, I think is a, a good number the defensively. Um, How about? Go ahead. Stafford three plus TDs, Odell over seventy five receiving yards plus six hundred. Stafford three plus. Well, what's your final score? Are you not? You have to give that with Schrager, or what do you do? I'm trying to yeah, figure out. Yeah, I'll do it with Schrager. I'm just trying to. I'm. I don't think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball unless they throw. Okay, that's my working premise. Right. So. Do I trust Matt Stafford? That's that's the rub with this game, if you like the Rams, especially with the minus four and the hook. Is do you mm-hmm. trust Matt Stafford? You know, I I'm like you. I I I think of that drop in that fourth quarter of the Niners game. Right. And you think of like Shanahan not going for it on fourth and one and stuff like that. And, you know, there's there's definitely an alternate outcome. But I guess this is football now where you can just you could look at nine teams and go, well, if this would happen, if this would happen, this would happen. But Stafford will throw you one. Yes. You got to catch it, but he's going to throw you one. It's going to happen. So it's minus 120 for Stafford to throw an interception. Burrow to throw one is minus 105. That was a nice number. I think it was plus 180 for both of them to throw one. That's not too bad either. Mm. Got They're going to throw 60 times, right, between them? So plus 180, each one yeah, has that's to throw one? Oh, yes. I like that one. Yeah. What do you think of most first downs, the Rams, minus 160? Well, I like Stafford have more passing yards in a comeback fashion. So most first downs. All right. So the rushing, they're going to have first down. What is it? What's the number? It's minus 160. It's high. Mm -hmm. But I think if you look at the stats, the Rams time of possession in first downs, they're better than the Bengals. Yeah. So if if you're thinking the Bengals are going to have more first downs, then you're also thinking Joe Mixon's going to be doing stuff because it's going to be hard for them to just move the ball downfield if they're not running the ball. Right. So maybe... 
maybe there's some sort of parlay with most first downs and then um, mix it. I can we remove the parlay rules, FanDuel that you can't do. What do you mean? I don't. I don't like same game parlay. There's some good ones, but then there's some other ones where it's say like, no, that one can't be in that there. That you can't. Yeah, and it's like why not? What are we doing? You, I, come yeah. on, Super Bowl. Either these are dependent on each other or they're not. And if they are, you know, if you could pick Stafford to throw a touchdown and Stafford to had over 285 yards, you should be able to parlay anything, right? Like, yeah. You and would and think. just adjust the odds, just adjust it so that, you know, three, three for three is not six to one. It's four to one. I, I agree. I Let agree. me give you two Rams ones. Go ahead. Under the assumption the Rams win. Rams win. Cup goes 80 plus yards receiving minus 104. Hmm. Rams win, Odell goes 50-plus yards receiving, plus 116. I don't see a scenario where the Rams win where Cup doesn't have 80 yards, right? It feels like those two are hand-in-hand more than any other result. I think the Bengals could win if they took out Chase a little bit because we've seen that before. He finds the other receivers, whatever. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen the Rams succeed without Cup. I'm with you. He he seems to be good for 100 every game. I mean, I think nine times he had nine catches or more uh, this year. I mean, it, you you can't bet against him. He's kind of like he's kind of like Kelsey in the Super Bowl, right? He's bulletproof at this point in the playoffs. So, um, and and for that but, reason, I think Stafford will have a lot of yards too. But do you agree with me that the Bengals could conceivably win if Chase doesn't hit some of his? Yeah. Numbers? So what's that? Did you see? Was there a number for that? Chase under and the Bengals win. No, they don't do the unders. They do more. I think one of the things I, I like on Fando is they do the 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus, 80 plus. Like, and I think that's fun for the same game parlay stuff because it is fun. And unless, unless you try to, you try to make a same game parlay on the Niners Packers, you're, you're dead to rights um, 40 minutes into the game when nobody wants to score. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's the thing. And you've, you've done the science on this. <laughs> People, want to gravitate to the over, especially with the preseason future bets. And it's Mm -hmm. just so much smarter to do the unders. Yes, for sure. Uh, You know, I don't know. I just look at all these scores too. Like there's so many. All right. Uh, Rams 23-16 is 200 to one. Why couldn't it be (laughs) 23-16? Let's bet all of these. How about um, Cup 150 plus receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Rams minus four, and that's plus 780. Right. So you figure if Cup has over 150 yards, they're probably winning by more than four. Mm-hmm. That means like they just went nuts. So I don't know. I like some of those same game parlays. Give I would me some do more too. bets. I would do it. Well, these are all, I, you know, I just, I don't know that you could find these on FanDuel. That's all I'm going to say. I like orange Gatorade. <laughs> I know you do. Any reason? What it's been some good orange Gatorade moments? Uh, well, I think uh, eight out of the last eleven have been either orange or blue, and that doesn't really even matter who's who's playing. And the mm. Bengals, I don't know if you noticed, they have orange on their uh, jerseys. So, um, so orange is good. It's plus two hundred. By the way, it could be yellow, and it might not be Gatorade. And in, in honor of Jackass Forever, who knows? One of these years, there's going to be something uh, disgusting go on. Mickey Guyton to sing the anthem. She clocked in at 76 seconds in, in like rehearsal or all these videos online. Her over under is 95. I think she owns it. I think she holds on to it for another uh, 25 or so seconds. I'm going to go over. Uh, Do we have a, our deep throat source, Louis K, on hand for the rehearsals? Or Didn't no? he screw us with that? Or did he uh, get that right? No, I, I think can't. he got mad that we mentioned him. 
Oh, we did. All like right. he's getting mad right now that we're mentioning. Him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who does Super Bowl MVP thank first? Team, family, friends. Oh God. wow. Wow. So if it's Stafford, team, I think right. Yeah, team or family. Is family, family in yeah, there? She, she might chuck a pretzel at his head if he doesn't. Yeah, uh, she's thank, be, yeah. you're thanking me first. Right, right, right. Uh, well, Kylie Jenner's baby boy is in there too. No. And then uh, which first performing <laughs> artist is shown live during halftime? Multiple artists is plus 190. I like that if you could get it. Oh, this is a good one. Will, um, oh, uh, yeah. Al Michaels will proclaim... Do you believe in miracles after Chris Collinsworth for the first time in his career pronounces the words pass rush correctly? <laughs> oh, this Rams pass rush. He says pass rush. Pass rush. What is there a way to bet on they're going to show Collinsworth from 1981 <laughs> at least three times during the yeah, game? Yeah, that's right. Oh, they have to. This is I his mean, third Al. Super Bowl. This one he's calling. Yeah. That, I got to say, that does worry me about liking the Rams in this game. Is the, the Collinsworth Cincinnati factor? thing? I mean, Al, I, you know, I spent nine years <laughs> in Cincinnati. And I, I, it's just such a great place. So much history, Al. Yeah, I couldn't be happier for this team if I was playing myself. I really, uh, just Joe Burrow, he's just got it, Al. He's just got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that does that part does worry me. Michelle Tafoya needs a uh, two and a half over under two and a half quarters off this game. <laughs> That, it's her farewell. She's I don't think you after can this. <laughs> we were the only one on that story. Um, but I do have my, you know. Is it time? You think it's you think I should do it? It's time? All right. For, for the newer listeners, Sal had a prop. We'll tell the whole story. We tell well, it every year. Every year I have um what is it? I, I take a I take a pick and what do we call it? I thought it, it was Mark, the Hank. It, Hank Kanoski or the Gary Russell? Who, who do we Henry Kanoski. So it's the annual Gary Russell jobber Super Bowl pro player prop. I think that's what we yep. call it. Jobber player. So we take a player who has not shined in the playoffs and is basically a role player and may not even step on the field. And we bet usually for that player to do something good as uh, is stipulated by the odds. And one year I had Gary Russell. It was when the, the, what was the Cardinals played the Steelers. I said that he wouldn't score a touchdown. Minus 170s. The backup running back. Who was it? Fast Willie Parker? Was yeah. the starter there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cardinals Steelers. Not only did he score a touchdown, it was the first drive, and I think he got the ball three times by the goal line. And yeah. so that was disgusting. And the story has it, uh, legend has it, someone We was watched at a it party. together. We were at Cousin Jimmy's house. We were. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but at another party, I don't know where it was, we, we learned that uh, a man and a woman were there and they both started laughing when Gary Russell scored. And then they talked for the first time and they it, it came to realize that they both listened to our podcast and were laughing that Gary, Gary Russell had scored to screw me over. And that couple got married. Yeah. So yes. the incredible part of that story is that that was only the second year you and I were doing the Sunday night or it was at that time it was, was Monday. It? it was Monday Pirates. Yeah. Because yeah. we started... Mm -hmm. 2007 was our first year. And then 2008, mm -hmm. we did right. guess the lines. We really had no idea who was listening to the podcast and ESPN wouldn't really tell me either. So yeah. we, it was like this fun thing we were doing, but we didn't know what the audience was. And that was around the time we started to have this anecdotal evidence that people were actually listening. 
Yeah. We didn't know if it was like a thousand people. We didn't know. They when I found out was when all of a sudden ESPN sold all their podcast stuff to like serious. And I was in the press release and I was like, wait a second, you I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> you like people listen yeah. to this? Wow. So that that was <laughs> what hooked me up with the immortal James Baby Doll Dixon. Oh. I was like, baby, they're not paying me for this, but they made this deal. Like you gotta unleash him. And, so then he would call me, but I worked them good, baby. I worked them so good. Oh my God. <laughs> and that was it. That's when we started. I mean, I don't know podcasts. I've been turning on the radio. I don't hear you at all. Isn't it odd? I have no <laughs> idea what this podcast bullshit is. Come I, on. I remember they offered him. It was something. The offer didn't end with a zero or a five. <laughs> what? It ended with like a seven. I don't remember what it was. It was like $77,000 or $57,000, whatever it uh. was. But it was a seven. He was like... Who makes an offer that doesn't end in a zero or a five, baby? This is insane. What kind of racket is this? Who are these people? These B-level amateurs. He was so mad. I was so insulted. I've never heard an offer that ended in a seven in my life. So he got you less and now, now it ends in yeah. a four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, somehow you got me up to an eight. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah. So Gary Russell. Gary became, Russell. Became... Uh, that became the prop. And you've hit this, I would say, 50% of the time. Henry Hanoski. Who was the... the uh, uh, Hanoski the, the was the best one. Yeah, that was a good one. You had the... Um, what was the guy? The tight end for the Patriots of like... Uh, did he have Samoan descent? Who was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael um, something. Yeah, yeah we get that. we get a lot. There's a lot of them and guys you wouldn't hear of and you've not probably heard of this guy either. Should we get a drum roll here? Yeah, we'll, we'll put Kyle? in a drum roll right, after. Throw yeah. in a drum roll. No way Kyle's doing that, but go ahead. No, but lo a louder drum roll, but like yep. a little more bassy. No, not that. Okay, here we go. My annual Gary Russell Jobber Super Bowl player prop is Chris Evans to score a touchdown, 11 to 1 odds. Chris Evans, baby. I don't, what team is he on? I don't know exactly. No, Chris Evans, not Captain America. According to Wikipedia, he's an American football running back for the Cincinnati Bengals of the National Football League out of Michigan. He's Mixon's backup. Sixth round, 202nd pick overall. He had a touchdown reception versus the Browns. He had a touchdown reception versus the Lions. Mm. More recently, he had a four-yard run versus the Titans, a nine-yard run versus Vegas. You know how it is. Mixon could sit a couple of drives. These guys go out all the time with minor injuries. In comes Captain America, Chris Evans, maybe hedging my Joe Mixon MVP bet a little bit here. And let me tell you something. Michigan running back coach Tyrone Wheatley said of Evans, he's like my Steph Curry in the room, meaning that he can create his own space. Well, you know what get Steph Curry does? He scores touchdowns, baby. Take it to the bank. Chris Evans, TD, <laughs> 11 to 1 odds. I watched football every week and didn't know who Chris Evans was, even though he, as you said, had plays in the playoffs. Yeah. Games that I watched and made such a... Little bit of an impact on me that I couldn't even remember what team. <laughs> that's he was on. what's going to make this all the more beautiful. So that's really a pick for America. Yes, that's right, Captain America. It's not just it's not just gambling. It's not just props. It's thank it's, you. Bill. It's a patriotic pick. I think. And as as someone who bet against the U.S., I bet under um, medals twenty two and a half, under gold medals seven. No, it you makes didn't. me feel. I did. I'm sorry. I did. Who did? Did you bet on the women's hockey? Did you bet on Canada? No, I didn't. I didn't. I know what happened. No, they won't have been, No, one. that just would have been really un-American. It's all right. I just feel like COVID's going to wipe this out and there's going to be fewer events. And so there's going to be under and medals and everything. So oh, I think you put, put, brought the COVID into this. Yeah, yeah, of course. You have to. Wow. You have to. 
That's, That's a good, good one. I have a, I have my crazy prop for you. Go ahead. Rams win. Rams defense slash special teams scores the first touchdown. Whoa. Plus 35-39. Bet $10, you win $359. What Rams is it? win. Yeah. Rams defense slash special teams gets the first touchdown. Now, if you wanted mm-hmm. to bet an anytime touchdown with them, it's plus 704 if you have that with Rams win. Mm-hmm. But I just keep going back to that Tennessee game, which I can't believe Burrow survived. He was uh, he had nine sacks plus the two delay of games that they didn't call. He was just under siege. Mm-hmm. And from what we saw in the Rams that fourth quarter when they cut to the sideline, Aaron Donald was like his eyes bulging out of his head. He had the whole defense in a circle. He's just screaming at him. Mm-hmm. If there's blood in the water, I I, I just feel like there's going to be at some point a strip sack hit something. How much so. do you feel like that playing in a national championship game like readied him for this. I really think it did. I think there's no moment too big and he like has that aura anyway, right? And uh, again, if the offensive line isn't going to block, none of this really matters. But uh I almost what are feel the like examples of might have more butterflies than than uh than Burrow going in. Yeah, we felt that we felt that a tiny bit with Stafford at various points this season, you mm-hmm. know? But I'm t- I'd have to see the list of the complete guys, quarterbacks who've won in a championship game. Like, Fields looked really calm this year, but he was terrible. You know, yeah. that, can you blame that on the play calling, the weapons, whatever? But he did have a calmness to him. Like, I don't think he would be afraid of the moment. That right. was somebody that came through on a big stage. But, you know, there's I just think some there's other a, guys who were ex- terrible that won titles. Extraordinary amount of pressure on Stafford. And maybe he could rise to the occasion. But, I mean, uh, they asked us on Fox Bet Live, who has more pressure McVeigh or Stafford it's like well of course Stafford Stafford's 34 McVeigh's 36 Stafford has this could be his last chance McVeigh could win a Super Bowl with the Jaguars in 30 years like as a 66 year old coach like this is this is huge for Stafford and then again I'd say you have more pressure me <laughs> with what with Captain America no you have you got to take somebody you have two tickets I heard through the grapevine you're trying to decide who to take yeah you have three children. I I only have one kid that would care about going, so he's covered. Right. Nephew Kyle. So I have them covered, but who are you taking? Uh, well, here's it. I made it very easy on myself. I think I'm selling them. I took a look at these um, prop bets, and I'm like, I'm going to lose like $30,000 in prop bets. <laughs> I got to make this up somehow. And on the uh, free market, these these tickets are going for a lot. I, you're really excited about it, right? It, it terrifies me. All this shit. Radio Which Row one? terrifies me. I don't want to go down there, listen to Ronnie Lott try to sell boner pills. Like I don't want to be part of any of it. You're going to this game. You love I'm it. I'm just I'm less social since the pandemic, but I do want to go to the game. I've never been to the stadium. You've been. Oh yeah. I haven't been in the Super Bowl since that uh that one we went to that had the blackout. So I've mm-hmm. been overdue. I'm really excited to take Ben. Um and I know you're excited to take your wife because that was the word <laughs> that was what I heard yesterday. I That's heard you're taking your here. wife because you didn't no. want to pick your pick between your kids. I swear to God, I'm selling the tickets. You're selling them. I have to do it. Yeah. I'll even give it a, uh, someone a break, but I, I would feel better about it. I'll send some to charity and uh, some to my bookie and that'll be that. Is cousin Jimmy going to the game and is he going to be in Magic Johnson's suite? I think he says uh, he has a lot of relatives in that St. Louis area. So I think he's going to have to give those tickets up to the 
in law. Oh, I wanted the picture of him with no mask, Magic Magic Johnson. That becomes the two day controversy. (laughs) They pull the mask out with the smile. I love it. (laughs) That was one of my favorites. Oh my god, what a a dumb world we live in. All right, so you, when are you giving your official pick? What day? I'll give it to you right now. I'm taking the Bengals plus the points. I think the Bengals win the Super Bowl. I think they're every bit as good as this Rams team. Wow. There you go. Bengals to win from the yep. Cuz. Are yep. you up or down in the playoffs? I'm down a lot. The <laughs> <laughs> Packers game killed me. <laughs> um, but I will say, uh, yeah, Jimmy and I are presenting an NFL honors for offensive player of the year. We have a heads up as to who might win. No, I'm kidding. But I'll tell you after the podcast who wins. All right, tell me. Yeah, uh, just... And send then, me a text uh, from a from a yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you like three minutes before it happens. But uh, there's that. Oh, go to extrapoints.com/arcade. We have our cash or splash challenge, thousand fifty six dollars to whoever can pick the most props right. And the splash part is if you come in last, you have to you have to drink Harry's brother's bath water, and he is oh a disgusting God. specimen. Yes, so we're gonna that get sounds, someone to do that. That sounds horrible. And then yeah. Sunday night, we're doing our podcast. We what have time? no idea. One a.m. <laughs> whenever whenever we're both home and we have electricity, we're going. But it could right. be a while after the game. So that it'll be up late night on Sunday night. And then then you you'll have that sad look on your face near the end as you know football's done. I'm already sad and you're talking about. It. You're gonna have to uh, you're gonna dissect Ben Simmons trade offers for freaking six months. It's gonna be the worst. I just wanna remind you that you were complaining about how long the season was. No, I wasn't. Now nah, you were. Yeah, no yeah, way yeah, I was. It's a little long. It's how a little long. dare you? How dare you? <laughs> All right, cuz. <laughs> Good job by you. Good job by you, buddy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those, they bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. Better help. A convenient and flexible way, since it's entirely online right now, it's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. All right, Peter Schrager is here. It is our last time together this season. The NFL Network is doing something really cruel to uh, to our friend Schrager. <laughs> what time your show is on from seven to ten in the morning East Coast time? Yeah, but it's, they flew they flew you out to LA to do the show, but they wanted you to do it live East Coast time. So you're waking up at like one in the morning and you're taping the show at four in the morning Pacific time, which is like at that point. LA is like positively creepy. Yeah. Yep. It's dark and weird and there's weird noises and weird people walking around and you're just doing it, man. You're doing shows. So my wake up call this week is at 1am and I get up and I'm in a very popular hotel with a lot of media people and each morning, and it's only early in the week, I have seen people coming in 
from their night out while I'm going out to work. And like, there's this like, like gentle nod of the head, but it is a depressing, depressing place to be when you're waking up when colleagues of yours are coming in. Uh, and the show's four hours this week. Now, there are people digging ditches somewhere. And I know uh, I've always kept my eye on the prize, but it has been a, 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 an interesting challenge. And I'm still not mastering the when you go to sleep and try to go to sleep or you just kind of just ride it out. So still figuring it out, Bill, but the shows have been good. Yeah, but you don't want to be groggy on TV. It's dangerous. It is. You're, you're just one dumb sentence away. So that, that part is a little scary. Yeah, I remember Jacoby and I, was one of the New Orleans, it was either Super Bowl or All-Star Weekend, one of the two. And we were at Harris all night, like literally all night till seven in the morning. Went back to the hotel and saw a bunch of our bosses leaving to start the day. <laughs> and we looked like death warmed over. And it is, it's super awkward. Like, hey, and, yeah. the, and, the, and if you're the person who's waking up for the day, you always have to, ah, oh, must've been a fun night. You, have, yeah. you feel like you have to say something. It's just uh, awkward. And, the 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 guy who I feel worse for. So D'Angelo Hall has not been our guest host all season. Uh, One of these ex-players had to do this. And yeah. D'Angelo has like a heart of gold. The guy is the chillest dude. He wants to enjoy LA. And he's waking up and like, we're two days in and I'm looking at him and I'm like, I could tell he's like, this is the worst decision I ever made in my life. Hmm. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything worse. I, I would be <laughs> completely incoherent. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for your perseverance. Yeah. Let's talk, uh, let's talk Super Bowl. We got crushed last week. We're down for the year a million dollar picks. We need a miracle to finish with, uh, with a winning year. It's doable. We have to agree on who we're betting on, what our case is for that team, and then steer some, some bets toward it. And then we can finish positive for the year. Um, Sal was just on and, and, and like since he's taking since he's picking them when this with, when the Super Bowl, he's not alone. The cases are resilient team, great in close games, a little 01 Patriots ish. Excellent QB, fantastic kicker. Won a shootout against KC week 17. So they have that in them. Won a smash mouth game. Tennessee. Week 19 against Tennessee. Some, some mild nobody believes in us vibes. You can't really play that card when a lot of people are picking you to win outright. Um, their defense which is like that classic, you don't love it. The advanced metrics don't go crazy about it, but in big situations has a tendency to get stops, make plays. In the red zone against the three playoff teams, they were 8-13 getting stops. Mm. They were five out of nine getting stops inside the 10, which is crazy. Seven turnovers in three games. Not bad. Dropped a couple too. And if you're making the case for them, I guess you're saying just the hot streak continues. Hottest hand. Don't, don't bet against the hot team. Be careful betting against Joe Burrow. You'll have some Ram stuff. I'm not sold on the Rams because of this, this, and this. They won the KC game without any of their top three guys really playing that great, which I think is a good sign for them. And then uh, just McPherson as the Adam Vinatieri, basically. So I think if, if you're making the case for them, I think it's an ugly game. There's field goals. It's like a, a little like that Titans game, maybe some more points, but what am I missing? What's the case for them yeah, beyond what I just laid out? I've, I've been trying to put my finger on why they're so compelling and why they're so likable also. The other case to be made, and this is like, it goes with the nobody believes in us, but it's almost like a corollary to it, is that 
it's not that big a deal to them in a weird way. Like you're what I've gotten a chance to really get in with this team over the last couple of weeks, not only following their media, but now that we're narrowing it down and we've had our show for two weeks, we're just talking about two teams. I've had access to Zach Taylor, access to the players. And it doesn't seem like it's the moment is so big. What a cool deal. It's just the opposite. And it's, it starts with Burrow and this guy is unflappable has never lost a playoff game in college or the pros. He said earlier this week that he was more nervous for his high school championship game because now in the Super Bowl, he like feels like he's had enough reps where like he knows what he's expecting. And if that came out of anyone else's mouth, you it would be like, you know, on Twitter, oh my God. But like you almost believe him because that's just who he's been this entire way. And there is a really refreshing deal with this team that in 2022 they have something that i don't think we've seen in sports for guys this young and it's called humility Mm. like burrow has not tweeted since june 1st We, we we interview all these other players and it's like we had tyler boyd on the show and aditi kinkabwala who does a lot of the afc north stuff for for nfl network was like, talk, talk to us what makes this team so special. And Tyler Boyd is a very talented wide receiver. And he's like, have you seen our defense? Our defense steps up. And I'm like, wow, like, I love that. Like a 27-year-old wide receiver in the NFL. Let's talk about our defense. Zach Taylor doesn't use the word I or me. And then Chase and Burrow are like the most refreshing stars that we've had in recent years because they deflect everything. There's no hmm. praise that they're looking for. Feels and a little I, like the Patriots coming out of the really huddle as a does. team. Yeah, it really does. And I won't be surprised if they come out as a team out of the tunnel. And this whole deal has been like, yeah, we could beat the Chiefs because we beat them already once and we're down 21 to three, but we're not phased. We've got Joe Burrow. And yeah, we can get him sacked nine times. But do you ever see Burrow chewing out those linemen? It's really refreshing. Like, it's really hard not to like this team. And when you're talking about this, and it's almost a little hokey, it's almost a little cliche, like this blue collar team with when their punter, Kevin Huber, got up at that pep rally on, on Monday night, he cried because he's from Cincinnati. And like, yeah, I'm a cynic. I want to roll my eyes and say enough with this shit. What are we talking about? These are millionaire athletes. And then you kind of have to buy in on that. So the case for the Bengals is that people are believing in them, but this moment is almost like not too big for them because though they've only won four games the past two years, they feel like they belong and, and, and they're not selfish about it. They're not looking at me about it. They're kind of likable in that nature. And they would need Stafford to collapse. at least be shaky. Yeah. yeah. Collapse would be ideal, but at least shaky Stafford would be the other piece for them. All right. The case against Cincy. It's been a Cinderella story, but I mean, come on. <laughs> barely, <laughs> barely held on against Vegas. What happens if... What happens if Carr doesn't spike on first down, right? What happens if there's a whistle? Uh, yeah, yeah all that things. stuff. Yeah, they get they score six points in the second half of that game. They get that free touchdown on on Tyler Boyd. Vegas does just a shitload of dumb things. Remember, like they the kick off, f- kick it kick in, off the outside line? the two yard line, at, like a, a host of those. Yeah, <laughs> first down and nine, and Carr spikes, and then all of a sudden, I mean, disaster. So they escape Tennessee game. Three Tannehill picks, including one to start the game. Tennessee has the ball on the Cincy 35 with seven minutes left and runs two of the worst plays ever. Gets stuffed. But then Cincy punts to them. They get it back and they throw a pick. So it was. It, I almost felt like Tennessee lost that game more than Cincy won. And then last week, you know, 
Casey mangles the end of the first half. They mangle the end of the second half. Mahomes has one of the most bizarre games of any superstar we can remember. Casey doesn't run the ball. They're dropping eight back. Casey's running the ball for six yards a pop. They just McKinnon, stopped. McKinnon was literally running the ball for six yards the entire first half, and then they stopped going to him in the second half. It, the game, Tyreek Hill, invisible in the second half. One of the worst second half things from a coaching standpoint. Burrow, only 6.6 .6 yards per pass in that game. Mixon, 21 for 88. He was fine, but really that, that was another one where the Chiefs laid over. So either the Bengals have this mystical power or... You know, so you got that. Then I have a couple more. Their offensive line couldn't block Tennessee at all. Like at all. Nine sacks. The Rams front four, I would say, is at least somewhat comparable to that Tennessee line. Um, they've scored, since they scored five touchdowns and 12 field goals. They do not finish in the red zone. Very rarely. That, the, the chase touchdown uh, in, in that big play on, on Fenton. But yes, very rarely do they finish drives. You're right. That makes me super nervous. The... Rams run D, which we'll talk about when we talk about the Rams, has been out of control. There's a chance the Bengals can't run the ball at all in this game. Also, a home game for the Rams. I want to talk Get about to this. Get to sleep at, in their beds. In their yeah, hold that thought. And then we know Uzama's potentially hurt, maybe playing hurt or not playing at all. And then from an advanced metric standpoint, I mentioned this to Sal, the Rams are fifth in DVOA and Cincinnati, even now with the three wins, is still 17th. Huh. This is a team that, from an advanced metric standpoint, does not make a lot of sense. It's an intangibles team. It's a, we needed this to happen. It's a hot guy at the blackjack table team. And I'm always nervous to go against those teams. But statistically, there's not, not a lot going on here compared to what the Rams have going on. What else am I missing? Can I go in depth on the home field thing? Because I think it's yeah, a huge it. deal and no one is talking about just how big a deal it is. We saw but it with last year with Tampa. We saw it last year and that was a Tampa team that was on the road the entire playoffs. The Rams have been in their bed since January 25th hmm. when they beat the Buccaneers. They came home, they have slept in their beds, on their pillows, under their sheets, going to there, doing their morning routine in their facility every single day since then. And then you get to the point of actual Super Bowl week where it's hysteria for the Bengals. They get here on a Tuesday afternoon and some families here and we need to get tickets there. And the Bengals have not done this in 33 years. And the Bengals, between us, I don't know if they're, they're breaking the bank on making sure this is a first-class experience for everyone involved. And now we're maybe dealing with some of the things that, that other teams... Doesn't sound like them. <laughs> I'm just laying out the facts that there is a uphill battle for the Bengals arriving in LA on Tuesday compared to Stan Kroenke's billionaire team where we're going to pay for everything. You guys do what we do. We're going to practice at our facility. Then our hotel the night before the game is the same hotel we stayed at every game. And then you get to game day, Bill, where it's not only on the West Coast, on our usual West Coast schedule. The Rams have played at SoFi in eight regular season games, two playoff games, yeah. two preseason this is going to be their 13th game in that building, in their own locker room. I think it's the most home games a team is ever going to play in an NFL season with 13 straight games, or 13 games on there. And then here's the deal. You've been to SoFi, right? Have you been? No, Sunday's going to be my first time. Okay. It is jarring. Like you walk in and that Oculus... Yeah. Will blow you away. The sound, as you and Sal mentioned, the chain smokers were during it. It's pounding. It is a sight to behold. Now, on any game, I think that's something to kind of get your adjustment to. Then you add in the Super Bowl piece to it. Then you add in the fact that one Bengal has 
ever played in a Super Bowl, Ricardo. Well, and then Allen, the Rams and the Rams were in it three years ago, and they know the rhythm of it now. They know how long that halftime break is and all that stuff. That it's that a way stuff. longer game than they're used to. They are so used to the beats. You've got a coaching staff that's coached in it. Raheem is coached in it. Sean McVay's coached in it. Zach Taylor was a quarterback's coach in it. Um, I think there's a significant difference when you combine the home field, the ticket asks, all the situations with, all right, but where do we have to go? Oh, we're getting on the buses at this time, traffic, all that stuff matters. And I think you put that combined with the experience level. I, I, I think that the, at the very least, it's not just a three-point difference on the spread. I think it is a significant difference. And I think the Rams are going to play to their advantage with that. So you think the Bengals have the families in like Norco and San Bernardino? I'd say the Chatsworth area might be where the hotels are this week. <laughs> I love that angle. The cheek Bengals, it finally <laughs> comes back to, uh, to haunt them. Yeah, so with the Bengals, I was trying to think if they win, we'll, and we'll wrap this up and then we'll go to the Rams in the next segment. But if the Bengals win, here would be the post-win narratives. Oh, I love this. I think they would go down as one of the most improbable Super Bowl champs ever, right? If we're talking 01 Pats, 07 Rams. Giants, 99 Rams, but they were good that whole season. That's so true. it was improbable in August, but not improbable heading into the playoffs. 2017 Eagles losing Wentz. Yeah. 1990 Almost. Giants losing Sims. Yep. They, they would move into into whatever group, however many teams you want to put in that group, they would immediately move in there. And I think the 01 Pats would be, if they lose, I think they would kind of be more like 03 Panthers-ish. Sure. This is a like, story. Oh yeah, really fun story. Uh, oh, 08 Cardinals. Yeah, another one. More post-win narratives for them. Burrow would now become the guy. He's the man. He's the face of the NFL. Yep. It's crazy, right? What? <laughs> it's nuts. Mahomes is like, what happened? <laughs> Herbert's like, I'm right here. I'm ready, guys. Throw ball. <laughs> Lamar's wondering what happened. Um, we'd have a lot of Burrow and Chase. Is this the next Montana and Rice? Go that. Is this one of the best duos ever already? What's the ceiling for the, that? That would be two days for on Good Morning Football. We'd have a little, the Bengals now out of the teams that haven't won the Super Bowl club. There's 12 right now. Oh, good call. So we'd be down to 11. Now, the Super Bowl, there's, it's only been around since 1967. So we, we've, only, we've only had 56. But we don't count the Lions, the Browns, and they've won championships. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But like the Vikings. Yeah. You know, the Browns have won NFL titles, but, but it, they would move off whatever list that is. And then I think it'd be hilarious if Cincy won a Super Bowl before the Browns. It's, it would be something, I'll tell you that's, that. That's like, it's just bizarre all the way around. The Brown family, but the Browns don't know. Uh, um, any other post-win narratives that you could see? I guess Zach Taylor, the, the yeah. McVay coaching tree versus the Belichick coaching tree yeah. would get some of that. Yeah, and I, I think there's also something to how they built their team where it's you draft players in the draft and then you don't have to sign crazy veterans. Instead, you sign economically and fiscally responsible veterans, like guys like a Mike Hilton or guys like... Hendrickson, a, yeah. Hendrickson and Reeder and these guys. Yeah, they got paid, but like, Bengals did a did a pretty interesting thing on defense, and they they didn't go and hit and swing for home runs where they were signing guys for crazy. They weren't signing Byron Jones for you know X amount of dollars or Xavier Howard for X. No, they were like let's let's stay back in our pocket, make the right signings. And Trey Hendrickson was a couple days into free agency. He got money eventually by the Bengals, but when you look up and down that defense, and it's it's Eli Apple, it's Von Bell, 
Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool that like these aren't uh, the the high priced guys necessarily when you look at the highest paid players in the sport, and yet they did really clean up on defense and free agency. Now that's really in the weeds. I don't think there's any other story than the Joe Burrow story. I, well, the other piece would be if they do win, if they shut down the Rams, I think people b- will be wondering why their defensive coordinator didn't get one of like the 10 available NFL yeah. jobs this year. He interviewed for the Giants. That was the only interview Coach Lou mm-hmm. got. One, you know, and what they did against the Chiefs was magical defense. Drop back eight and Mahomes is just running in circles and they weren't trying to tackle him. They're like, just let Mahomes just do his circles and we'll just play defense. It was fascinating to watch. Yeah, that was really, I don't, we haven't seen that. I don't one know yet. if I've He's, ever seen quite a game like that where the quarterback was just, you would think like the longer you bought yourself time, the better it would be. And it was actually somehow worse for him worse. the more time he had. Um, yeah. I was there. I went to Arrowhead. I went as a fan. Like, and I say as a fan, like, but I yeah. went and I didn't work the game. Um, it was the craziest dynamic. First half of the game. It is an absolute, I've never seen momentum sucked out of a building. Yeah quite like that one. And I think that defense played to that as well, where it's like Mahomes is doing the Mahomes thing, but then was getting sacked after like 11 seconds or was throwing the ball away. It was fascinating. And that's a defensive game plan. It's not just Mahomes, you know, not showing up in the big game. It's because he was confounded by that defense. Well, that's why the momentum doesn't matter argument is probably my least favorite sports argument because momentum does matter. And I've been in too many buildings and you feel like the Chiefs walking off up 11, but feeling like they're down. That was momentum. The Bengals going into the locker room going, I can't believe we're only down 11. Like, how can people say momentum doesn't matter? And the bigger possession in that game, and I hate to go back two weeks, but the bigger possession was the first possession of third quarter. So Mahomes gets a quick first down, and then they stop him three and out, and it's like, oh shit, they could have had 14 points the last two drives, and they got nothing. They got zero. And then, boom, you get the the chase touchdown and Trent Taylor two-point conversion, and now we're tied. Like, fascinating game that was. but that was a real testament to the Bengals' defense. The 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 Chiefs, I think, had three points in the second half, and like it was crazy. And they did that to them in Week 17 too. The case against the Rams quickly. They can't run the ball, Cannot or at least the they ball. haven't been able to do it. They're 97 for 283 in the three playoff games. 2.9 yard per carry. Acres had a little going on, and then the double fumble, I think, um, didn't, really didn't scared do much them last off. week. Yeah, and, and was not good last week. So. No Higby. No Higby hurts. No Higby. I don't think, I mean, I, again, I've spoken to the coaches, but this is on an early in the week thing. I think it would be a real stretch for Higby to play. If he does, that's like Dwight Freeney, Rod Woodson stuff, him getting on the field. They only played one good half in the three playoff games, each game, right? Interesting, yeah. Awesome in the Cardinals game. And then basically, I and you called this out when we did our next podcast after that. I think they... They put some stuff in the closet after yeah. when they knew they were up and that game was over. They dominated that game, but really the first half, they were awesome. First half against the Bucks, they were awesome. Unbelievable. Second half against the Niners, they were awesome. Yep. But they haven't put together the complete game. So that's the Bengals, their ability to hang around, the Rams' inability to play a whole full game yet. You throw there. McPherson versus Gay, I think is worth three points. Fair. I mean, Gay was short on a 47-yarder earlier in the playoffs. Well, Gay made the Pro Bowl, but he's not. He's doesn't seem like he's 100% physically now. He's had two weeks off, but I do feel like that's a three-point swing there. You would have, you would assume Chase goes off if the Bengals win. Burrow would have to be the best guy in the game. And then last but not least, Stafford either shitting the bed or being super shaky in a couple big spots. Yeah. I think that would be it. 
I get nervous about picking teams that can't run the ball, but in this game, we might not see either team run the ball. All right, when we come back, we're going to make the case for the LA Rams. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, the case for the LA Rams. We mentioned how they didn't play really a full game in any of those three playoff ones. On the other hand, they had some of the most dominant stretches of any team we saw in the playoffs in every game. The whole, basically the, the cards game until it was done, the first half against Tampa, and then the last half against San Francisco when they were down 10 and it felt like they were going to come back. Somehow I didn't hedge my Niners NFC bet. <laughs> um, but they, it's a little reminiscent of Tampa last year, right? When we rode them where- Got hot. They got hot and they have some big blue chip guys and they're all healthy and they all started playing well at the same time. And all of a sudden, you're seeing the finished version of a team that we watched for four straight months wondering, what were they? You know, think about before the playoffs, we were like, cards, Rams, what is this game? Yeah. But how do we know what we're getting out of this? Now, I, I think we have a better sense of the Rams. Stafford's throwing for 9.1 per pass in the playoffs. That's Pretty not good. nothing. Cup and Beckham are at 622 yards and five TDs combined. Dude, I broke it down today on Good Morning Football. Cup is like five catches back, three touchdowns back, and maybe 100 yards back from Larry Fitzgerald's 2008 postseason. And we're not even talking about it. And then there's Odell, who's also having an awesome postseason. Larry went 30 catches, 550 yards, and seven touchdowns. Cup is already right there, but Larry didn't win the chip. Like, if... If Cooper Cup goes off on Sunday, he's not only going to have the greatest regular season we've ever seen from a receiver, yep. potentially the greatest postseason ever. And Odell was Johnny on the spot and was awesome against the 49ers on Sunday. So, and this is why I've changed on the Rams a little bit. The Odell thing I did not see coming. And there's really good stats about how, just how open he's getting in these games and what a weapon he is, especially when the other team's so worried about Cup. But I didn't see the Odell thing coming at all. I thought, I, I, I was dead wrong on that. I I, honestly, I thought it was a blame thing with Baker and Cleveland. And it was like, oh, you can blame that. But we've seen this in sports too many times. Or it's like, no, no, it's this other guy's fault. And it's like, maybe it's you. You haven't been good in five years. Yeah. But he looks like 2016 Odell again. Looks great. And I was very skeptical because Sean was interested in him in 2017 when he was on the Giants. And then they make the trade uh, to Cleveland and whatever, missed out. But they got to know each other out in LA in the off seasons. And like, McVeigh's always been a fan of him. And then when they brought him in, I was hesitant because you I was in New York during, you know, the downfall yeah. of Odell there. And then in Cleveland, I, the guys in Cleveland are like, no, this is terrible. His dad is posting videos like, who wants this? And then he gets to like, dude, he's been not only like the perfect teammate, he's been like a leader in the locker room, all these things right. that are, you know, that he's been accused of not being, and he's completely bought in. Now, 
he's a free agent after this. And maybe he sees this as not only a chance to get a ring, but also a chance to get one more big deal. And here's this window. But they knew they had to get him the ball early in some of these games just to get him his going. And then like now he's completely locked in. He's literally the number two option on the offense. And he's been great in the locker room. Great. So Well, they've also done, we've talked about this on previous pods. They've done a nice job of watering the plant with him too. Get him involved. Get him early. involved. Get in plays. Let him throw the wide receiver option pass. We see this in sports. We see this in football and basketball, and sometimes in baseball, but really in football and basketball, these guys, the quote unquote head cases, they're difficult, whatever, in their early to mid twenties. But then yep. when you hit your late twenties, you're a little older, maybe you don't have maybe as much of whatever in you that you did when you're, when you're getting set off when you're 24, you're not handling things. You're just a little more mature. And sometimes those guys are good bets. We've seen it in basketball a lot. Like Rasheed Wallace was the all-time good example call. of that when the good Pistons call. got him. But we've we've seen that a lot over the years. Chris Webber when he went to the Kings. Yeah. These really talented guys who just had to kind of get a little older. And I wonder with Beckham, I think he's been awesome in these playoffs. Like I would like rooting against them in that Niners game, I felt like the Niners couldn't cover him. And we know they couldn't cover Cup. And I think if you're making the case for the Rams, which goes to the case for the Rams, two uncoverable receivers is a nice place to start. I'm with you. The Higby thing sucks. Uh more stuff. Well, Cup, obviously the best, been the Isn't best he, offensive player in the league. Dude, his last, that NFC championship game. That was ridiculous. When they you know, know, you know they're going to him and he's getting the ball anyway. 11 catches, seven of them on third down, six of them were converted for first downs, two touchdowns, and it was from all varieties. Like Everyone in the building knows on third down it's going to Cooper Cup, and Stafford and him have such a connection that he can do it. I was talking to D'Angelo Hall today and he's like, what cup does he's got like such a shimmy to him that like you he really is so deceptive in his not deceptively fast because he's a white receiver or whatever it is yeah deceptively uh you know just he'll shake you out of your boots at the line of scrimmage and then yeah. the next play he'll block you on a run and he'll knock your ass down he's quietly and like not expect he's a 220 pound receiver who will hit you and then he'll burn you on a, on a route that you're not expecting so what he's doing and what he and Stafford have going on right now, it is legendary stuff. And well, you know what else is crazy about it? He doesn't take the hits that Debo takes. Right. Some of these other like guys. He, he avoids when, it, right? when do we ever see him getting like just over the middle, just getting crushed because he didn't know the safety was there? He's always in space. Even when he's getting tackled, it always feels like he didn't take a big hit. Like he just, if he was a car, I feel like he would have the least miles on him out of any star receiver. You know, all these other guys take big punishment. McVay versus Taylor, I think, is an advantage for the Rams. I'm sorry. The home game stuff we mentioned. The Rams pass rush versus the week since the O-line we mentioned. The Rams rush defense, which in three playoff games, 52 for 162, they've given up. Nobody's running them at all. Nope. And that's with um, the Niners team that was supposed to impose their will. Didn't Elijah happen. Mitchell couldn't get it going. Debo couldn't get it going. I'll just add one more thing here. Uh, Aaron Donald is a man possessed right now. That was my last one. The okay. best player you, alive argument for Aaron Darnold. Let's start it. Cause you go and then I'll finish. Cause I, I no, mean, that's it. It's just like, th that's one of the post win narratives. We come out of this and was like, Aaron Donald's the best player in football. And maybe Cooper cup might be second. I, honestly. So <laughs> Donald doesn't talk a lot. Like I, I've been around this team. I did their preseason games for them for years. And like, he's a nice guy, but like it's a one word conversation. And the media has wanted to make Aaron Donald into something for the last eight years. He doesn't do it. Like Hard Knocks tried the first time they did the Rams and it was like he was playing ping pong. Like this guy's crazy. He's hilarious. And like 
Donald is all ball. He's all work. And the only things you get from him are these amazing workout videos, whether he's doing it with knives or he's jumping into yeah. pools. Like um, Aaron Andrews was fantastic in the NFC Championship game, w- characterizing why him revving up the sideline was so unique. He doesn't do that. He's not yeah. that guy. On that defense, he is not nearly the leader of some of those other guys as far as vocal, get it going. But at that moment, when they needed him most, he was the one firing them up. And all this week, he has been in that building, I'm told, has been a man possessed. And he said it in the media availability on Monday. And I never thought he would actually go there because he's not one of these retrospective guys, not one of these inward guys that talks like this. But he's like, I have done everything an individual can do in an NFL career except win a Super Bowl. And when he put it that way, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, well, when he, he when they it, sh- gets it, when they showed that video of him firing up the huddle and I had my Niners NFC bet and I was just like, oh, no. Like if he's going to be possessed, if he's going to be going 40 years back, movie reference, but Fast Times in Ridgemont High, Forrest oh. Whitaker after his car gets messed up. The car, sure. If, if, if we're going to go to that level with Aaron Donald, I don't feel good about my Jimmy G pick. And as it turned out, so post win narratives, that would be one of the biggest ones. Aaron Donald would go down as one of the best football players ever if they win a Super so. Bowl with him. I think he would. I because you think like, uh, and there's been a lot of top hundred stuff, and you know it's so hard to compare the guys against different eras. But there's like certain things we can agree on where it's like LT was the best defensive player of all time. Jerry Rice was the best wide receiver of all time. Tom Brady was the best quarterback of all time. Like there's some some standards you can, you know, when you, once you get into offensive linemen and yeah, who's who's the third best receiver of all time? Now we back, can really start arguing. Yeah, yeah, we can start arguing. Whatever conversation, whatever like the small exclusive club is for the greatest greatest, Donald moves in there if they win. If he has Let's, an awesome game and they win the Super Bowl. All right, let's do one here. If you had to pick three defensive players, let's say front seven, I'm going probably LT, Reggie White, Aaron Donald. And that's right. Reggie White, I'm glad you brought him up because he felt so impactful in the 90s. Right. I remember when in when the Pats were trying to beat them in the Super Bowl and he was getting oxygen on the sideline third quarter. We were also I was watching with a bunch of Pats fans. Like, and then oh! he tossed. It was like the Russian is cut. Yeah, that right it, tackle it, got tossed on that one. Yeah. Oh my god! It did. It, it turned out it didn't matter. The oxygen worked. But yeah, Reggie White is a good one. I think. I think he's up there. I think Ray Lewis is up there for me. Yeah, Bruce Smith. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce will be on the level below for me, especially because he never won the Super Bowl. Yeah, Ed Reed as a safety. I think if we're going that direction, but yeah, Donald just week to week, year to year, he's so, so clearly the best guy. And now to add this, so that he's would be 29 the last piece. years old, Bill, when you hear a guy who's 29, now he's played eight years in the league and he says that, or he's like, I've done it all except this. I mean, isn't that a self-awareness that is not usually seen from a player yeah. that young? We usually get that at 34, 35, Reggie White might've been in his early thirties, but it took him on that second run with the Packers to be like, I, you know, after the Eagles years, like I need this. Um, I think that they, and they play for him too. Like they want it for Donald also. I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit like, you know, intangible, sentimental. I'm not talking X's and O's here. The dude is a freak X's and O's as well. Like he's doing things that affect the game on every single play, even if he doesn't get the stats. And this Cincinnati offensive line, as much as they found a way to scotch tape it, 
has been pretty shitty at, at points this season and has been really bad against front sevens like the, the Rams. And we saw Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Simmons eat and we saw Dupree eat and D'Amico Autry and all those guys in Tennessee. Gosh, this could be the game that Aaron Donald has four sacks and is you know dancing in the end zone in the first half of the touchdown and the game's over already. Well, you saw how the odds dropped for him too. Because he was like 50 to one on, I think, all over the place for MVP. And now it's like 16 to one to 12 right? to one, depending on where you are. I see that. I love it. Yeah, I remember, you know, when we were at Grantland, we had Robert Mays, who uh, worked with us, then worked with us at the Ringer too. And that first year when Donald came in and he was just going nuts. And that was, Twitter had kind of evolved with some of the clips. And I, I remember him being the first guy on defense that kind of became a Twitter guy with some of the shit he was doing. Where it was like, watch Aaron Donald just go through two guys and sack the quarterback. Watch Aaron Donald come around the end and this quarterback, you know, and it was, it felt a little LT-ish and it has this whole time, but you're right. He's, he's going to be, uh, he's 30 years old now. 30. You'd figure this is as good as he's ever going to be, right? I don't think there's a level up at this point. This is it. He's at his apex and this would be the last piece. A couple other post-win narratives. Just the whole, the Rams are back. LA football is a success. Goodell gets a win. We'd get yeah. all that. Think about like the odyssey of LA football. And then like all the gambles that tie into that where the Super Bowl stadium that costs 2 billion more than they thought. The the fact that they, you know, oh, that almost fell through. There were competing groups. Bob oh, yeah. Iger was involved at one point. You have that. You have Kroenke going all in. Like, not that people care about owners, but it was a really big gamble to even on the... St. Louis lawsuit, which they now had to settle for a ton of money. $790 million lawsuit was just settled this season and not talked about. Yeah. Not talked about. We just talked about it now. Stafford trade, huge gamble. Huge. Odell signing, huge gamble. They Like if that goes the wrong way, that could have killed the locker room. And then the fact that they created this new strategy of we don't need first round picks, traded them for Jalen Ramsey, that one too. So, um, They, they have three like core tenants to build it. So what they say, and they call it, and I'm going to F them picks is what it is. And that's, they've, they've all gotten their own coffee mugs that they drink from. And it's a picture of Les Snead's face. And it says F them picks. And the truth of the matter is, it hasn't just been this year. They traded picks for Sammy Watkins, for Akib Talib, for Marcus Peters. And every time they're done, it's Brandon Cooks. Their, Brandon Cooks and, you know, and, and Austin Corbett. Like all these guys have been picks they traded away. But this year, particularly Stafford, Von Miller, Sony Michelle. And, you know, people roll their eyes and they're like, oh, but those guys that do that, and it's Les Snead, the GM, it's Tony Pastores, who does the salary cap. And then there's a whole front office that's around those guys. They believe in that. But the key is they do have picks from rounds three to seven every year. And they've had the second most draft picks. They've had 45 draft picks since McVay joined the team from rounds uh, total. And from rounds three to seven, they've, they've drafted Cup. They've picked up guys yep. like Henderson. They get the guys at value when they do draft. So that's the one part. The other part is their coaching staff has been absolutely rated over the last few years. Right. It's been rated again. An eighth of the league right now are McVay former assistants as head coaches because you're going to add O'Connell and to LaFleur and to Taylor and Brandon Staley. But even the coordinators, like Shane Waldron was the offensive coordinator last year. He's in Seattle. Wade Phillips goes on. Okay, Brandon Staley, he's gone. We got to replace him. Raheem Morris comes in. But all these assistants go elsewhere and yet they find a way to reload, reload, reload the coaching staff. And the last thing is they all buy in. They all want to be there. So like Odell comes in as a number two. He has to eat that and be like, I'm going to be a number two. Cooper Cup has to be like, all right, yeah, this guy, Odell Beckham is going to now join my historic season. 
they all buy in and it's like it's kind of refreshing that it is a dream team but there does seem to be a lack of egos individually and it starts with McVeigh and it tr- trickles right on down Jalen Ramsey being right all along getting out of Jacksonville everyone shit on that trade fun narrative everyone shit on that trade do you know who they traded for that eventually it was Calevon Chason and CJ Henderson for Jalen Ramsey I don't know you know, and everyone was like, what are the Rams doing? Jalen's not going to want to sign an extension. Jalen called, it was the greatest trade. Like, they, hey, they listen, value they, the player. Now we have half of the NBA superstars pulling the Jalen Ramsey. Right. Um, somehow the Lions lose again. I think it's another narrative. Their guy Stafford. I've been there. I remember when Bork won with Colorado, how brutal that was in Boston when we just felt like we were never going to win again. Now you have the Lions who never even made a Super Bowl. I know. And then they have to watch Stafford. They won a championship. That's the last time they've even been to this this far. It's interesting because I said um, on air, I'm like, I don't feel like Lions fans are done. I think the Bork analogy is a good one. Like, not didn't go to a rival, went to another yeah. team, he served his time here. And like, yeah. like you good said, luck. you you root him on. Like, that's it. Yeah. And it was cool. Mic'd up on the NFL films, had him uh, mic'd up when they played the Lions. And like, it was this little moment in like the third quarter. And it was a close game. And he's talking to the young defensive backs and he's like, you guys are playing hard. I love seeing it. Like you guys, I've been watching the tape and they're just talking with him. They still revere him. So hmm. all his ex-teammates, whether it be Calvin Johnson, who we spoke with today on Good Morning Football, or Nate Burleson, who's, you know, one of my you know, co- former colleagues, but I talk to him every day. They love Stafford. I think aside from Sue, who I don't even know if that was just in the game. I can't name you one former teammate that has a negative thing to say about Matt's, Matthew Stafford. So it's one of those deals where it's like, even Lions fans are like, all right, you know, like, okay, uh, I can root for this guy. Well, and then, like, what, second week after the Super Bowl, the Is Stafford a Hall of Famer show you'll have? You'll have as That's many, like day 10, day 10 yeah, of, probably, of arguments. And, and, oh, and don't worry, we are working the entire next week. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, if we, uh, we will do the Stafford Hall of Fame talk, and I'll put his Super Bowl rings right up next to Rodgers, right up next to Marino, right yeah. up next to Breeze, right up next to Fouts, Warren Moon, and I'll be like, what hasn't he done that they have? And there we go. Right. Thank you. And then that turns into a, does everybody who throws for 40,000 career yards make the Hall of Fame? (laughs) Where do we draw the line? Um, Yeah. And then the McVay thing too. And, you know, the McVay getting his pants pulled down by Belichick and having some revenge a couple years later is a fun one too, because he got out coached. He's talked about it. He's been pretty open open about, yeah, I got, I got worked by the best coach ever. And here's what I learned. It's almost like you see this with boxers, right? Like my guy, Sugar Ray Leonard loses to Duran in Montreal and learned some valuable lessons, fought Duran again, changed his style. And it would turned out to be the best loss he ever had. So you wonder if that'll happen with McVeigh. All right, when we come back, we're going to figure out the million dollar picks. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. going to start wearing shorts. Start wearing bathing suits. Just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident like you can do anything, whether it's a sharp, well-fitted outfit that makes you want to roll back the ears and dance like no one is watching at a wedding, or a suit that makes you feel like you've got the job before you walk into a job interview. You should definitely give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse, the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, et cetera, to your body. And Men's Warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide. So if you need one, and you will, there's one near you. Feel like you can do anything in an outfit from Men's Warehouse. Visit your Men's Warehouse store or click or tap to shop online. All right, Peter Schrager. We're going to make some picks. We're we're doing the Rams, right? Are we in on the Rams? Bill, you go where you go, but I picked the Rams for the Super Bowl in August. I have not backed off of it. They're going to finish the job, and I will be there in person to watch the LA Rams win in LA. Yes, I believe the Rams are going to win. Does the minus four scare you? It does not. Would you rather have some some leg room with some with some parlay stuff? Because I me would. There. Lead me there. I Let's would. go. Okay. I'm just going to shout out some bets. So we got Rams minus four. Thank God that didn't go to minus four and a half. We're taping this. It's one o'clock now Pacific time. Rams win. The game is under 57 and a half. Minus 110. Does this game go to 58 points? That seems so high. Seems a lot. Two teams that can't really run the ball. Hmm. Two quarterbacks who can chuck it, man. Rams minus three, first half, minus 110. I like that. Figure if the Rams win, they're, they're going to come out. They've come out. Come out hot. Like they've the come game. out two good first halves and then the Niners first half, not as good. Nope. Rams win, Odell scores the TD plus 210. Rams win. Rams defensive or special teams touchdown plus 704. Rams win. Cup gets 80 plus yards minus 104. I love that one. Cup's going to go nuts in this game. They, they, I don't see them stopping Cooper Cup in this game. Rams win. Odell gets 50 plus yards plus 116. Could see that too. Cup plus 550 for MVP. OBJ 25 to 1. Any non-QB is plus 230. Oh, I like the Aaron Donald idea. So you go any non-QB plus 230, you get everybody. You get everybody but Stafford and Burrow. Let's do that. We have this on FanDuel already. You can bet this. On FanDuel. Same game parlay. Plus 672. Rams win. Odell TD. Odell 70 plus yards. Cup 80 plus yards. Plus 672. Almost 7 to 1 odds. Here's my thinking. I don't think the Rams are really going to run the ball that well because we just haven't seen it. I don't think they're going to even try, to be honest. Yeah, and it just seems like if they're going to win the game, it's going to be because they threw the ball to Cup and Odell. So if that's the case, why wouldn't I put all those bets together and profit from them? That's how, I mean, this would take the Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, like the same thing they did to Mahomes in the second half for an entire four quarters to stop what the Rams looking to do. Now they might do that. They might drop the eight back and That's, they've done and it. Dare the Rams to run. But the I'll ball. tell you this: Sean McVay's ready for it. He's had two weeks right. to look at that film. Rams win. Odell scores the TD. Odell gets a hundred plus yards receiving, plus nine forty one. I like that. 
I think Odell's going to go for 100 and a touchdown. I have it marked down. Um, Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals, minus 152. Ooh, he's good. <laughs> I don't like betting the minus bets, but I, I thought that was one that jumped out. Stafford, three plus touchdowns. Odell, 75 plus yards is six to one. Longest field goal, over 47 and a half yards. Sal and I talked about this earlier. <laughs> you figure the Bengals will have one, right? Where they're on like the 38. Yeah, here comes McPherson. He just bangs it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that one. Good, good, good setting for a game. There's no weather. I think, yeah, the, McPherson is good for one of those bombs. So my favorite of all of these is Rams win, Cup goes for 80 plus yards. Mine too. Because... They're not going to win if he doesn't go for 80-plus yards. Sal and I talked about this, too. The Bengals, we've seen them win without Chase going completely off. T. Higgins goes nuts. Yeah, yeah, they've figured out other guys step up, whatever. The Rams are not going to win unless Cup at least has a good game. So my favorite bet of all of these bets is Rams win, Cup 80-plus yards, minus 104. It's basically even odds. I don't have to worry about my Rams minus four. And I'm betting on a guy who has a chance to have the greatest wide receiver season that we've seen since Jerry Rice from start to finish. If you include regular season playoffs, it's like 1989 Jerry Rice and Cup this year. Assuming it plays out the way we think. Yeah. Cup has not failed us all season long. He hasn't failed the Rams. I think this is not going to be the week where Cooper Cup goes three catches for for 61 yards. This is, he'll do, he'll get his. All right, so here's what we're doing. Here are the million-dollar picks. Turn the camera on, Kyle. Let's go, Kyle. Let's go for one last time. We're going to bet 700K on the Rams to win, just to win, Cup to get 80-plus yards in the game receiving, minus 104. I love this bet. (laughs) That's our first one. We're going to bet 200K on the Rams to win, and the game goes under 57 and a half. Okay. That is minus 110. Okay. We're going to bet 50K on the Rams to win with an Odell TD. That's plus 210. We are going to bet just because we have to put something down on Rams minus four, right? Yeah. 250K on Rams minus four. Straight up. Let's go. Traditional. We are doing our. Same game parlay for 50K plus 672. Rams win. Odell TD. Odell 70 plus. Cup 80 plus. (laughs) We're putting 25K plus 941. Rams win. Odell TD. Odell 100 plus. Oh, my Lord. Rams are 17 to 1 to win by 25 to 30 points and 30 to 1 to win by 31 to 36 points. We we hit this. Stay away, Ch- right? No, we hit this with the Chiefs, with the Chiefs Steelers game. We went twenty one to twenty five and hit it right in the sweet spot. They won by twenty one, I think. Do we want to try? Do hey, if we're going big on the Rams, do we want? We haven't had a blowout in the Super Bowl. We had one Nin- last year, I guess, but we haven't one of these like we haven't had like a fifty five to ten in quite some time since the Niners did it to the Broncos. But that used to be the case. You used to just get blowouts in Super Bowl. Is this that? Is this that game? Well, they're nineteen to twenty four points. Is ten to one. Let's so I was going to say... Let's do that one. That's a sweet spot. We put 10K, 19 to 24, 10 to 1. 10K, 25 to 30 points, 17 to 1. 10K, 31 to 36 points, 30 to Spread 1. Spread them out. Spread them <laughs> 1. So we have 30K total. From and if we hit... 19 So we're basically to, saying, yeah, wait, 19 points and up. 
Yeah, we're in for Rams okay. blowout. Just for All right. fun. Bengals fans, good, good afternoon. If you're listening on the treadmill, this is for you. And I think that's it. Okay. What about the non? Oh, we didn't do we didn't do MVP. quarterback. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna put a hundred k on a non quarterback to win the MVP at plus two thirty. Do you? So guys, that's it. We're all you, in on the Rams. By the way, we're down for the year. And if the Rams lose, um, thank God this was fake money. If the yeah, Rams win, another positive year for us. Great. It's great. Uh, do you guys? Did you and Sal do prop bets? We did do some prop bets, and he did his uh, his prop bet of the and year. all that. Yeah, yeah, we did uh, his prop bet of the year. His Gary Russell is Chris Evans eleven to one. Chris Evans, the rookie running back for the Bengals, is going to score a touchdown. Is that what he said? Yeah, eleven to one. So we'll we'll put one K on that just for. Okay. Uh, just I just want to be in solidarity with. Oh, Sal. yeah. Each QB will throw an interception. He liked at plus one eighty. I think Stafford is going to be really good in this game. All right, I'm not. I'm not saying any picks. All right, those are the million dollar picks with a sleepy Peter Schrager. Ah. Uh, you're uh, just to finish this for the social because I talk most of the time. Yeah. You are in on the Rams to win for Cup to go off, and this is going to be a coronation of Rams football. Just make the case. Twenty seconds, and then we'll go. This is it. This is what they wanted when they moved. This is the LA fairy tale. It all worked out this way. Sean McVay has been dialed in since we did the Flying Coach podcast in July. I believe the Rams not only win this game, but that they roll. And it's a sweet ending to what's been an up and down year. And it's a Hollywood finish. So if Sean McVay wins the Super Bowl after doing Flying Coach, does that mean that becomes a coveted coach spot for next year? You tell me. Because it's like... It's like whoever whoever hosts that podcast wins the Super Bowl nine months later. Seems like a pretty good deal when it's one for one thus far. Yeah, it's a one pot streak. All right. Uh, Peter Schrager, get some sleep. It was great to see you. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll run into you when I'm coming back from a party as you're going and you're just looking at me sadly as you're headed to work. With the alarm is set for 1.15 a.m. Pacific. It's been lovely. You're a hero. Good to see you. You're the man. Thanks, dude. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Cousin Sal. Thanks to Peter Schrager. Thanks to the Sacramento Kings for continuing to be dumbasses. And we'll be back on this feed on Thursday during the NBA trade deadline. We're going to do a multi-part extravaganza during the deadline in case anything awesome happens, including, who knows, the James Harden trade. We will see. I will see you on Thursday.